This week, uh, my beautiful bride and I, uh, we uh, went to a Lowe's and we walked around and beautifully socially distanced from people and just had a wonderful time uh, walking around in a store there for a while. And then we had a nice little uh, time of eating, went into a little place and went outside and had a wonderful time eating. And then um, we've just had a wonderful time all week long going inside of places and hanging out with people and just doing what everybody does in America. And then somebody all of a sudden decided a few weeks ago that, boy, but you can't, you, you can't go to church. In, oh, that would be terrible. Yeah, it'd be good. You can go to the Lowe's and you can go wherever you want, but just don't go to church. Now, what kind of a, a mindset, folks, I'm telling you, uh, we, uh, this is an attack against religious liberty, is an attack against the Bible. And I will tell you, uh, the only place that truth comes is from the church. Yes. That's the only place. Are you going to get it from the school? No, you might get it from a Christian school, but you're not going to get it from the school. Not a university, not a business. There is only one place where truth is consistently given out, and that is a Bible-believing church. Well, then it makes sense why nobody wants the church. Those in the world don't want the church to meet. We don't want the evangelical Bible-believing people to be together because that strengthens them. That encourages them. And folks, we are here to say we lovingly must be together. We don't expect the world to understand that, but we are here, and I'm grateful for you being here. And I'm just telling us all, we don't, we don't know what tomorrow holds. I mean, we don't, know, we don't even know what the end of this service may happen. We are here because we love Jesus. We are here because we love His Word, and we want to be obedient to Him, and we love each other, and we want to sing His praises. And so, uh, for those of you that are home, medically unable to come, God bless you, and uh, some of the folks are all around the world listening. Thank you for being here and uh, online with us and supporting us and praying for us. Uh, and these are beautiful times. I love uh, this beautiful outdoors. It's God's house for sure, but... There are some problems with, I was singing a few minutes ago and a gnat flew in my mouth and, and uh, I had to stop and I couldn't keep singing there. But, uh, but other than that, it's going good. It's a little warm today. It gets much warmer. I'm going to have to wear a bikini. But, uh, so that might be a little problem. But uh, other than that, no, I, know, I don't mean to scar you, but uh, I know that uh, messes with your brain right there. But uh, no, I'm, I'm glad to be able to be out of my tie here this morning and we're here to serve the Lord, and so if I look like I'm uh, ready for Hawaii, that's okay. Uh, we're just enjoying the beautiful outdoors because we need God, amen? We need God as never before, and so I uh, thank you for coming. There's a whole lot more I could say and uh, certainly want to say, but uh, we want to we be here to look into the Word. I am so excited about this new series, Living a Faithful Life a faithful life. How to maintain steadiness. Steady as she goes. Let's keep steady now. Let's keep moving ahead. Let's not let all this keep us away from what we're supposed to do. Maintaining steadiness in a changing world. It was a blustery, stormy night. 
years ago in a cold Birmingham, England. Well-known missionary to China, Hudson Taylor, was going to be the special speaker at the meeting that night. Everybody was excited, especially the hostess. But when the night turned so terribly bad in weather, she sadly assured Dr. Taylor that nobody would attend the services, and so we might as well cancel the services for tonight. He said, oh no. He said, I must go and I must speak, even if no one is there but the doorkeeper. And as it turned out, it wasn't a very well attended, but there was at least a dozen people that showed up. And God met with them in such power, such incredible, uh, His presence was there, that half of those 12 surrendered for the ministry. All 12 of them got busy serving God in giving, and they said that literally thousands of people ended up coming to Christ as a Savior as a result of that one meeting. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. Hudson Taylor said, I'm going to be faithful regardless. I'm going to be loyal to the gospel. Faithfulness is talked about often in Scripture, 50 times in the New Testament alone, 50 plus times, almost 100 times in the Old Testament. I believe God wants us to know about His faithfulness. I think He wants us to be faithful. We are called to be faithfully attending church and faithfully serving God and faithfully reading our Bible and faithfully giving to the Lord. We are to be faithful people. Thank God we have a model for that. We have a faithful God. And so uh, throughout this series, uh, we're going to talk about the model of faithfulness and then the meaning of faithfulness, motivations for faithfulness, the means of our faithfulness, and finally, the manifestation of faithfulness. What's going to happen as a result of our faithfulness? And so uh, we're looking forward to this series. I really have, uh, I just uh, so full. In fact, uh, I had to cut my message in half because I figured I just no way I can finish here this morning. So let's all bow for a word of prayer and ask God's blessing. Father, I thank you for you, God. You are the great model of a faithful person. A faithful God you are. Thank you for modeling it. Thank you for showing it to us. Thank you for this church, Lord, who have displayed their faithfulness when we couldn't meet together. Now that we can and now that we are, Lord, I thank you for the faithful people of the home church. Help us to keep faithful. And for those that are out there in this world, Lord, I pray that they will just be faithful. Wherever they are, they'll be faithful to your word. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm chapter 36 and verse 5, thy mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens, thy faithfulness reaches unto the clouds. A few things excite a believer any more than the fact that we serve a faithful God. David in this verse took a long look at the world around him. It was polluted with moral danger, and his nation was in trouble. He himself was suffering great attacks, and he said, and yet you are faithful, God, even though this world isn't faithful, you are faithful. You're faithful in your wisdom. You're faithful in your word. You're faithful in your ways. Thy faithfulness, look at that verse specifically, thy faithfulness reaches 
to the clouds. Meaning, I looked on earth, it was hard to see faithfulness. But when I looked up and saw God, I realized what a faithful God we served. We serve a faithful God. That means we can always count on God. Turn, if you would, to the book of Lamentations. What a name of a Bible, right? <laughs> Groanings or, you know, sad moments, lamentations, not something that's probably going to be uh, on the New York uh, seller's uh, best-selling list, but here it is, Lamentations 3, verse 22. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning, great is thy faithfulness. Israel found themselves in a terrible fix. The nation was being destroyed by, from within by sin and idolatry. It was being attacked from without from a foreign nation. Things were not looking good, and it almost seemed as though they were going to be just destroyed as a nation, consumed, as it says here. And yet God reassured the nation to the great prophet Jeremiah, he said, you're not going to be consumed because you're my people and I am faithful. But notice specifically what he says. I am faithful because of my mercies. My mercies are what makes me faithful. The word mercies there is a very important word in the Old Testament, a very prominent word. It is the Hebrew word chasid, C-H-E-C-E-D. It means love but more. It's translated mercy here by the place it's translated love. It's referring to loyal love. It's referring to constant love, unfailing love, and in fact, covenant love, meaning I cannot let you go because I am in a covenant relationship with you, and I am faithful to my love. What amazed Jeremiah as he was looking over his nation he saw all the things attacking, and he said, thank God for a faithful God. How I thank the Lord that God is faithful in the midst of the upheaval. God is faithful. Each morning, he said, I get up and I rejoice because God is faithful. I look out the window, and a lot, a lot has changed, but God is faithful. I get up in the morning, and I remember how good God is. I get up in the morning, and I receive all the blessings and the favors of God because God is faithful. God said, I'm faithful because you're my chosen people. And it's easy to wake up in the morning and get disheartened. It's easy to have something come into your office and get you disheartened. It's so easy, especially right now. And I just recommend that you might want to keep a little bit uh, slow on all the news. Just kind of turn it off. I won't check it in once in a while, but if you just keep reading the news, listening to the news, and you're going you're gonna to want to give up. You're going to want to, as it says here, you want to quit. But when we read his word and we think about the faithfulness of God, it renews us. Thank God I don't feel consumed. I feel energized because I'm on a mission in this world to be a blessing and, uh, and to be a blessing out there. Here it says that we can be faithful because God is faithful. God wants us to be faithful people. What is a faithful person? If you were writing this down, although we're going to give you a definition here in the next couple of weeks, but a faithful person, a faithful Christian is one who carries out his God-given responsibilities. Simple as that. 
carrying out my God-given responsibilities as best as humanly possible. Faithful. I'm just faithful. Not perfect. Faithful. Not always exact, but faithful. May not always be done like it should be, but faithful. I just want to be faithful to the best of my abilities as humanly possible. I want to carry out my God-given responsibilities. What is faithful? Faithful in the dictionary means one who is devoted to a cause, one who is devoted to an ideal. It is the word consistent. It is the word constant. It is the word steadfast. It is the word loyal. Now, the biblical definition is a little bit different, although it encompasses all those thoughts. In the New Testament, the most frequent use of the word is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, which is also, as you know, the word for believing on God. Um, But this word means to have faith. But it means to be so full of faith that you're faithful. And that's why we call it faithful. Just to play on words, it is being full of faith. A faithful person must have faith. Then when they're full of faith, they are faithful. That's really the intention of Scripture. We see that in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Turn with me, please. 1 Timothy chapter 6. But thou, O man of God, I love that statement, don't you? O man of God. You want to put a backbone inside of your son? Look at him and say, O man of God. Call him a man of God. Call your husband a man of God, sister. Call your father a man of God. Call that pastor. Call those people in your lives that are faithful men. Call them men of God. Men of God. Don't you love that statement? I want to be a man of God. Some people say, I'm a man of the world, you know, my little cigar, my big fancy car. I'm a man of the world. And no, I want to be a man of God. I want to be a man of God. Oh, man, I love that little, that little exclamation there. Oh, listen to me, man of God. Run from these things. Follow these things. Things like righteousness and godliness. And then look at that word, faith. That's actually that Greek word again, pistas. It means faithfulness. It's translated faithfulness in other places. God says, I want you to be a faithful person if you're going to be a man of God. Be faithful. Be faithful to your responsibilities. Be faithful to all that God wants you to do. Be full of faith. Now, only a Christian really can ultimately be faithful. A person might be a faithful husband, and you ought to be. You might be a faithful wife, and we ought to be. We might be a faithful worker at work, and that's good. But true faithfulness requires faith. That's the actual word. Full of faith. I can be constant at work. I could be loyal at work. I might be steady at work. But to be faithful, you have to have faith. Faithfulness is started by a faith in God. Isaiah, the prophet, declared it this way. Isaiah 25, verse 1. Oh, Lord. There's that exclamation again. Oh, Lord, thou art my God. By the way, the word Lord there is Jehovah, which means covenant God. Thou art my God. (laughs) Isaiah said, God, oh God, who has made a covenant with me. That's a good way to start your prayer. God, you promised. You're the promise keeper God. You're the covenant God. I will exalt thee. I will praise thy name. 
Thou hast done wonderful things. You don't have to talk in old English there like that, but you can say those things. Lord, I just praise you and exalt you. You are so good. Thy counsels of old are faithfulness and truth. God says everything God has ever done has been true. He's never made a mistake. He's never sinned. He's never gone off. Uh, he's never made him uh, in any way done anything wrong. God is faithful to truth. When God says something, you can take it to the bank. It will be accomplished. Now, have you ever talked to anybody at all, or you may have had yourself the idea, or maybe you're listening online, you thought, well, I don't know about all that. There's some, certainly some contradictions in the Bible. I hear that quite often, actually, uh, when you're out and about. And it's amazing how many times we've answered that question, and yet still, and how it's been answered by good pastors and books, and yet people still say the same thing. Oh, there's so many contradictions in the Bible, and they'll whine, and they'll hem and haw, and say there's so many contradictions. Well, let me just explain that for just a second, because I, wanna, I just want to talk about how faithful God is in the Word of God. For example, one of the ones they pick on, among so many others, is, well, you know, in the Gospels, and the book of Matthew, it talks about uh, the blind men at Jericho, and in the book of Matthew, it says two, but in the book of Matthew and, and or Mark and Luke, it only says one. There you go. Contradictions. Two, one, which is it? They don't know. Well, the, the book of Matthew and the book of Mark aren't saying it was only one or only two. It was just describing the one or the two. For example, let's say I got in the car, went down here to City Hall down in Stockton, and I happened to walk in there to the City Hall and talk with the good mayor there, and then I talked with the chief of police, and uh, later I would tell my friend, we'll call him Jim, I'd say, Jim, I was down at the City Hall today, and uh, I talked to the mayor. Well, good, I'm so glad you did. I didn't say it. I talked to the chief of police. I did sit and say it. But uh, then later I talked to another friend, John, and uh, let's say, and John, I was down at City Hall today. I talked to the mayor and the chief of police. Now, let's say that later Jim and John get together and they say, well, Tim told me he was down at the City Hall and he talked to the mayor. Well, he told me he talked to the mayor and the chief of police. You'd say, well, those are contradictions. No, those are complementary facts. And much of the Bible is like that. They're just complementary facts. Now, had I said I only talked to the chief of police or I only talked to the mayor, it'd be a different story. But I just didn't say those things. And there's a lot of things in Scripture like that where there's, uh, God doesn't put all about regeneration in one verse. He doesn't put all about repentance in just one passage. He doesn't put all about all these doctrines in just one place. They're complementary. They work together. And that's the same thing with all the facts. I mean, most of the things in the Bible come pretty much down to that, that are seeming contradictions. And all those atheists, they'll just absolutely whine and, you know, say that. But, you know, there's all kinds of things like that, even in life. We've all heard of the term uh, an oxymoron, right? Well, an oxymoron is when it's a figure of speech that seemingly contradicts itself. For example, my wife and I went to the grocery store, and I said, honey, go get some boneless ribs. 
And then when we were walking along, I said, oh, look at the green oranges. And then we went to the freezer section. By the way, that's an oxymoron, right? Um, green, orange, okay, anyway. Um, then they went to the freezer section, and it said fresh, frozen. Well, which is it? Then we went a little further, and it said jumbo shrimp. Then I noticed that some of the things had freezer burn on them. Other times, people said, yeah, I made a small fortune out there. Oh, really? Other um, say, you know, when we're trying to say, well, it really doesn't matter, you say, same difference. <laughs> okay. That's an oxymoron. Or I was in the house the other day. We, I don't know why we have them, but we have these plastic glasses. Plastic glasses? Okay. Or I was reading there, and uh, it said about the WHO, H-W-O, you know, the World Health Organization. It said a government organization. Now, I guarantee you, those uh, aren't in the same thing. But anyway, um, and then, of course, my favorite, and uh, one day I met a fellow, and he said he was a devout atheist. <laughs> there you go. A devout, <laughs> a devout atheist. Now, folks, there are things in the Bible that are, in a sense, oxymorons. They may sound like they're contradictory, but in fact, they're not at all. And so when people say, oh, well, you know, God is not faithful. My friend, God is faithful. We just don't understand all the facts at all. That's all, or else maybe they're complementary. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God. <laughs> Here, Moses gave God three titles. Know that the Lord thy God, there's one title, He is God, two titles. Then just in case anybody was questioning who Moses was talking about, he said, faithful God. Faithful God. You know, faithful God. Not like the gods of this world, not a loser God, a faithful God, which keepeth covenant. He's always kept every promise and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. He was saying, the God that I serve is in a covenant relationship. He's Lord. That's what the word means. It means he's Jehovah God. He has, he has struck up a covenant with me, like a marriage covenant. He will never break that because he has said, you are my people. We're talking about the God of the universe who is faithful God faithful God. Now, there are many gods in this world who are not so faithful. There are many gods in this world who say one thing but do another. There are many who appear to be one way but are, in fact, so much not like that. Never is that any more apparent than in Hollywood. I know of recent, there's one of these uh, daytime uh, hosts, uh, these, one lady who's uh, supposedly so nice and sweet, and then in reality, they're finding out it's really not that way. But you know, a person's lifestyle certainly comes out. And that's what we say about God. His lifestyle comes out. And what does it come out as? He is faithful God. Faithful God. There are thousands. Of, and notice what that verse says, that God's faithfulness, not just to just one person, or not even to just one generation, a thousand generations, God has kept his promise. God is, uh, God knows what he's doing and he keeps it. When we uh, go buy something, uh, it used to be you have to keep that receipt. Now a lot of stores are keeping it electronically. 
Thank God. Because I never could keep those receipts. I mean, my, try as I, well, I know some of you are so good at that, you know. I kind of worry about you. But anyway, um, but you're so good at keeping those receipts, you know. I'm just thankful that they keep the receipt because it's electronic. Folks, God keeps the receipt. Amen. He remembers his promise. He remembers what you purchased. You purchased that. You bought God. You, you took Jesus. And as a result of that, he has he keeps his covenant to a thousand generations, not just for me, but for my children and my children's children. God keeps a covenant for a thousand generations, pretty much saying you can count on it. Jesus said he was coming back. Uh, he, Job said it. He said, my Redeemer, I'm going to see my Redeemer. And you can count on that. That's thousands of years ago. It's still going to happen thousands of generations later. Now, how do we know God is faithful? Well, from looking at Scripture, I can tell you there's at least seven reasons we know God is faithful. And if you're writing these down, we're just going to go through about half of them this morning, and they're just so good. Number one, we know God is faithful because He keeps His promises. Now, that may go without saying, but the fact is, it's good to know He keeps His promises. God's Word gives us the promise he always keeps it. Look at what Paul said in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast. Now, hold on. Don't let go of your faith. Don't let go of your belief. Don't let go of your hope. Don't get discouraged. Hold on. Hold fast. The profession of our faith. You've accepted Jesus Christ. You love Him. You want to serve Him. Don't let go of that without wavering. Why? And then there's a parenthesis there. Look at it. Just in case you want to know, we serve a faithful God. Amen. He is faithful, the promised. Paul said, try to imagine one thing that God ever said that didn't come true. Try to imagine one thing that God ever lied to you about. Try to come up with one thing that I've ever told you. And he was, of course, telling them about their faith. Many of these people had just, especially in the book of Hebrews, they had just come out of Judaism. He is, in the book of Hebrews, as it sounds, he's referring to Jewish believers, which were spread all over the Mediterranean there. And he was telling them, look, you have walked away from the faith of your fathers, that, that religion that didn't have Christ, that didn't believe that the Messiah had come. You walked away from all those training and all those things you've ever done. You've accepted Jesus Christ. Now hold on to that. Don't go back to Judaism. Hold fast because God promised. And he, doesn't, he does not tell any lies. He, we all, you can count on it. What he said is true. And this will give you strength. That's what Sarah found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. Look at there. Through faith, Sarah herself received strength. Hebrews 11 and verse 11. She received strength to conceive seed, was delivered. Of, it, it physically made a difference in her life, her faith, and was delivered of a child when she was past age 90, to be specific, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Now, we think of Abraham's faith, and he was a man of faith. Thank God for Sarah's faith. The Bible says her faith just made a huge difference in her life. 
Now, we've all been situations where we have uh, seen God just uh, give us faith and give us strength and uh, when we have believed something. I've read many a times where someone went th- was in, involved in an accident or something and someone was pinned under a car and some little uh, thin little lady over there and r- lift up the car. Just how in the world could that happen? Well, I kind of think maybe an angel helped pick it up, but if it wasn't an angel, it was just her faith that she received strength. There's just this supernatural physical strength that happens when we have total faith in God. And that's what it's saying here. Since God keeps His promises, that is faith-giving. That is just strength-giving. You want to give me strength when I get up in the morning? I get up in the morning and I realize the world's changed. Jesus hasn't changed. I get up in the morning, and who knows what new rule, who knows what's going to happen? God has never changed. He never changes, the Bible never changes. He wrote it, and thank God it was written down. That's why it's called the Scriptures, the graphe as it is in the Greek. It's written down. It's graphic. It is there for us to look at, never change. And every time they find another scroll or another piece of the Scripture, always verifies what we have, never changes. It has never changed. Thank God. He is a faithful God, and that gives us strength. He keeps His promises. How do we know God is faithful? Because He keeps promises. That makes Him faithful. Number two, we know God is faithful because He never lies about anything. He does not lie about anything. There's an Old Testament prophet by the name of Balaam. You could call him Balaam the Compromiser. He definitely had issues. He had an amazing gift from God. I mean, boy, when he would say something, it would happen. If he cursed something, boy, it just went downhill. If he blessed something, man, there was amazing favor. God had given him this special gift. Balaam, you know, the guy that talked to the donkey, Balaam was an amazing guy. But Balaam had issues. He really loved his money, and he got all crossways with God. And then along comes a heathen king by the name of Balak. Balak comes along and Balak wants, you know, Balaam to just bless him and bless what they're doing uh, specifically against Israel. And Balaam says, well, I'll tell you one thing. And you can't hard understand Balaam. He said, well, I'll tell you this. Whatever I say is God and I won't go against God. Now, uh, wimpy Balaam said, okay, whatever. And then look what he says about that. Numbers chapter 20, verse 19. Numbers 23 and verse 19. Here is Balaam advocating for God, even though he had his issues. He had some good things he said. God is not a man. Therefore, he doesn't lie. (laughs) God is not a man that he should lie. Now, we know humans we often lie. Sometimes we lie because we just, you know, stretch the truth a little. Sometimes we don't remember things. That's becoming more and more an issue. You know, you just don't remember some of the things you said, but we change our minds. And it's been said that changing their minds is a woman's prerogative, but I've discovered that it's a man's prerogative too. I think we all change our minds quite often. One conceited man said, God, why did you make women so beautiful? And God said, so you'd love them. Then that same irritating man said, then God, 
Why did you make God so, why did you make women so illogical and so emotional? God said, well, so that they would love you. <laughs> and the fact is, you know, we do all change our minds, men and women, but our eternal God goes on record as saying, I love you and I've never changed my mind. It's not a lie. And someone said, you can trust me, but you kind of wonder sometimes. Look what Paul wrote to his convert, Titus. Titus was an amazing evangelist, and he was based in the island of Crete. Titus chapter 1 and verse number 2. Here's the apostle Paul encouraging his young preacher friend, his uh, young brother in the ministry, his son really in the ministry. He said, in hope. Now, when the Bible talks about hope, it's not maybe, it's hope. It's not a hope so, it's a hope sure. In hope sure <laughs> of eternal life, which God that cannot lie. By the way, interesting, the, that actually is a, is a phrase, it's actually referring to God as the non-lying God. That's actually what it's referring to. Be, you can have your guarantee of eternal life because the non-lying God says this, as opposed to the lying gods. <laughs> and there are a lot of lying gods in this world. Would you say amen to that? There's a lot of lying gods in this world back then too. That non-lying God promised, promised. By the way, that means a legally binding declaration. So let's get the verse. He said, you can have a hope sure of eternal life because the non-lying God has made a legally binding declaration finally before the world began. How, do I, how, how, do, how can you trust God? Well, you can fact check him. Easy. Why? Because he already did it before the foundation of the world. He already, in figure this whole sovereign thing out here, but the fact is, God made things happen. He spoke them before they actually even happened. He's simply saying that God has given us that salvation from the foundation of the world. It is already secure. You can count on it, friend. You can fact check that. In Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, people say, well, how do I know God is true? Boy, I mean, Dr. So-and-so says this, and he's a scientist. Or Dr. So-and-so says this, and she's an epidemiologist, or she's this. And uh, there, they wouldn't lie. <laughs> well, here, Paul said it this way, Romans chapter 3 and verse 4, he said, God forbid, let God be true, and every man a liar. Boy, it doesn't get any more clear than that. Basically, he's saying, if God and man disagree, I can tell you who's lying. <laughs> it's not God. <laughs> it is mankind. And the fact is, folks, when God's Word contradicts proven scientific facts, it's just science doesn't have all the data yet. Amen. I mean, that's just as simple as it is. Now, we wouldn't want to suggest that they have an ulterior motive, right? We would never want to suggest that somebody has some, you know, some uh, thoughts otherwise. But, um, for example, scientific fact is human life begins at viability. Okay. So let's uh, 
let's kind of roll through that a little bit. We have Grandpa Tim here, and I've got little Johnson, big Johnson on my lap. Now, am I a human? Yes, I'm a human. Is Johnson a human? He's almost two. Yes, he's a human. When did he become a human? Well, he's certainly a human now. At least we could say that. I'm a human now. So let's roll backwards. Was he a human at one years old? Yes. Was he, has he changed his genetic makeup at all? No. So he was a human at one. Was he a human at birth? Yes, he was a human at birth. Has he changed his genetic makeup? No, it didn't change his genetic makeup. He was a human at birth. Now, science says he's only a human at 20 whatever weeks, you know, 24, 26 weeks, whatever he's viable, can live, breathe on his own. That's when he becomes a human. Never changed human makeup. The DNA never changed anything about him. You just keep rolling back. No, the fact is, it has to be at conception. Because it all, that's the logical scientific fact that nothing's ever changed. And yet science says that they're not a human until they're viable. No, friend, the fact is, God said in Psalm 139, He knew me while He was forming me. I was already a person when He was forming me, when it says He formed me. God, we can count on God. Let every man be a liar. You'd say, well, are, you say they're lying? <laughs> all I'm telling you is when science and God disagree, science just doesn't have all the facts yet, or maybe they have an ulterior motive, an evil agenda, and they might not even know about it. The fact is, they're not even aware. But when it comes across against God's Word, against the church of God, I can tell you, it may be science, but it's not fact. It's not true. It's not based on truth. But God never lies about anything. He always gives the truth. And number three, He is a faithful creator. The reason we can trust God is because He is a faithful creator. Look at this amazing verse. This is the only time in all of Scripture it says this. So this is special. 1 Peter 4 and verse 19. Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Man, that's a full verse. <laughs> but look at that verse. It's saying, if you are suffering, so Paul is trying to give some perspective on suffering. We all suffer. We suffer at work. We suffer physically. We suffer mentally, emotionally. We suffer in relationships. We suffer financially. Job says, people suffer just as often and as sure as sparks fly upwards off of a fire. It's just a fact. We are suffering people. We just wake up suffering. We go to bed suffering. We have physical ailments, mental ailments. We have, you just name it. We're emotional people. We are a suffering people. Wherefore, let them that suffer, and that's me, we suffer, specifically according to the will of God or because you're doing the will of God. And this is a little more specific. If we're out there serving God and you're suffering, then Here's what I want you to do. He said, commit the keeping of your souls. Commit. And that's actually a banking term. Put into deposit. 
in God's bank, your soul, your hope, your, 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 it says the keeping of your soul, your life, your lifestyle, your concepts, uh, everything about your life, put it in God's bank. Just commit it to God. Have you ever had somebody say, just commit that to God? Commit that to God. Let's commit that to God and pray. It's a, we can't figure it out. Let's commit this to God, sweetheart. Let's pray and commit this to God. I don't know the answer. Let's commit it to God. I don't know what to do. Let's commit this to God. How many times have we had to say, I don't know. We're suffering, but we can commit this to God. We can commit it to God. That means put it in his bank. Put it in the bank of God who very good at keeping. He, he, he never has lost uh, any of his accounts, and uh, he's better than the FDIC. He guarantees it all. You even get a little interest from God. Commit it to the keeping of your souls, to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. Meaning this, if he created you, then he knows what's best. He is very uh, well acquainted with you because you're uh, his designer model. He knows you. He knows uh, what's going on. And sometimes you have to send something back to the manufacturer because people can't fix it out in the world. You have to send it back to the manufacturer. The manufacturer made it so they can know what to do. Here, God is a faithful creator. If he is a, not, he's not just a creator, he's a faithful creator. He's got a great guarantee. He's got a wonderful warranty program. You can count on him. He will always fix you. He's got an answer because he's a faithful manufacturer. <laughs> he's a faithful manufacturer. He knows what you need. He knows the problem. He's got an answer for you and he will do it for you. You'd say, well, what should I do then? Well, look at that middle part of that verse. It says, in well-doing. What's that saying? It's saying, all right, here's what you do. You commit the issue to God, and because He's a faithful God, and you just keep doing the right thing. You keep doing well. You keep doing the right thing. Or as I think Elizabeth um, Elliot said, just do the next right thing. The next right thing. What's my duty? The next right thing. I commit it to God. I put it in God's bank. He's a faithful God, a faithful manufacturer. I know he can take care of it. And I'm just going to do the next right thing. I'm going to do the thing that is the right thing. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. We serve a faithful God. And because we serve a faithful God, every morning I wake up, his mercies, his tender, loyal love is there for me every morning. Never been any different. There was an old rabbi who was asked by his young scholar about Israel in the wilderness. Rabbi, why did not the Lord furnish enough manna for Israel for the entire year? Why did he make them keep coming back? every day. The wise rabbi said to his young scholar, let me answer with a parable to you. There was a king who had a son who decided he would help him and give him a good way in life. 
And so he would give him a yearly allowance, an entire sum annually on one day. But he discovered something that happened. Soon his son would never visit the dad and would only come once a year on the day that he was to get his money. And so the wise king changed his plan. He gave him the amount of money only sufficient for one day. And now the son visited his father every single morning. He there was with his father, enjoyed his father's embrace, his father's kind words, and realized he really needed his father more than he thought he did. And that's what God does. Why doesn't God give us, you know, his mercy all for all, all of our lifetime, all at once? No, every morning he wants us to come to him because we need him. He wants to spend time with us and faithfully his loyal love is always there. How many would say with me here this morning, you have found that God is faithful? Would you just say amen to that? God is a faithful God, isn't he? Has he ever not been faithful to you? He's always been faithful. I close with this powerful story. This young man was training to be an Olympic diver. He was very proficient at what he did and went to a well-known college. But he was an atheist, and the only spiritual influence in his life was from a Christian friend who tried faithfully to share the gospel whenever he could. This Olympic diver, hopeful, this amazing athlete, simply was not interested in spiritual things, or at least he so said. But secretly, he really was under conviction. That night, this diver by himself went to an indoor pool there at the university. The lights were mostly all off, and he was all by himself. The moon was bright in that indoor beautiful pool, and the moon was shining in from the end. This young man climbed up to the highest place on the diving platform. He turned his back to the pool. He stood on the edge of the ledge and extended his arms. And as he did so, he saw his shadow on the wall. And it was the shadow of a cross. When he saw that cross... He was so overcome with just conviction to the God he had been rejecting. He knelt right there on the platform and received Jesus Christ as his Savior. He then stood up, and just then a maintenance man walked into the indoor pool and flipped on the lights. And when that diver turned around, he realized that the pool was empty. It had been drained in order to do some repairs. And had he dove, he would have surely died. He and we all serve a faithful God. God is faithful to watch over us. And he is faithful to take care of us. Even when we don't often give him the love that we should. And the truth is, friend, you are standing on a diving board here this morning. And you're there, and you are standing on the edge of something. And this morning, you need to see the cross.
and let the light of the gospel show you the cross of Jesus Christ. Folks, God is faithful. God is faithful. He is a faithful God. Even when we're not faithful, God is faithful. He never lies. He always keeps his promises. And you can be sure God will do what he says he will do because he is a faithful creator. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed here this morning. Great is the faithfulness of our God. One of the great hymns of the faith. We're going to sing that hymn in just a moment. Ask our worship team to come and make their way up here. Great is the faithfulness of God. Based on that beautiful passage in Lamentations chapter 3. Great is the faithfulness of our God. He is so great. And he this morning wants to show you his gratefulness. Heads are bowed and our eyes are closed.